Hey, welcome back to the Video Star Junkies podcast. We are bringing you part two of our rankings of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. And once again, we are bringing this to you on video. So if you would like to give that a watch, head over to our YouTube page. Enjoy. I'm back once again with my amazing co-hosts and I'll go in opposite order this time. So Zachary Edgerton, how are you? Uh, I'm doing great, Renee. Thanks for asking. Uh, coming to you live from the future site of Yeesville, Georgia. Um, we got the uh, the ecosystem is getting set up. Oh, Bill hadn't heard about this. Yeah, go. Uh, we'll we'll discuss it later. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward. The the future is bright here down in Georgia, so I'm I'm very excited. That's good. That's good. Oh my gosh, Paul Cardulo, how are you? Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing great, Renee. Um, I'm thinking I start my own. I'm gonna call it Yeetsville. Hmm. <laughs> But yeah, doing all right, Renee. And you didn't have your trademark bowl of cereal either. <laughs> well, no, no, this is not this is not a bowl of cereal kind of thing. This is a uh, well, natural. I, yeah, I don't I don't even want to contemplate what I'd want to. Yeah, no. Yes, no. <laughs> oh, and uh, our our second uh, best co-host, Gizzy. How are you, Gizzy? <laughs> oh, Gizzy's fine. He's Good. been very happy with this week of podcasting. Yes. Um, and we, um, all right. Well then how are you, Bill? <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. Um, I also wish I had a big heaping bowl of cereal. I think Prince of Thieves cereal would be the one I would choose. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, delicious Prince of Thieves. Yep. Yep. Tastes like Captain Crunch, but looks like a bowl of dicks. <laughs> no. I actually, I actually... know what I'm talking about. Look it up, folks. I'm not lying. Yeah. I had to look it up because I, I was wondering. I would not have been surprised if in the early '90s they made a Freddy Krueger cereal, but alas, there was oh. no actual. Yeah, oh, kind of surprised though. Well, he was in KB Hobby, so why wouldn't they make a bowl of cereal? Yeah, right. This is a, this is a toy you could buy for kids. Yeah. Pull his string. <laughs> ah, I'm a child molester. Ah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> More oh things to gosh. be taken out of context. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I'm just so much for running through school board. <laughs> oh man so we are here we've got the last the final four if you will of uh, uh, our nightmare on elm street rankings so now, I'm, sorry to butt, I'm sorry to butt in but for for the weirdos who are like listening to this episode or uh and haven't heard the first one or maybe it's been a while do we want to just review uh also it's, it's been yeah. a week since we recorded and i don't necessarily forget what are what were the <laughs> what were the five what were the rankings of the bottom five that we did last week the bottom five, uh, starting for from number nine, is the 2010 remake mm-hmm. of Nightmare on Elm Street. And uh, number eight uh, is a 1989 uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, A Dream Child, The Dream Child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, no, I take that back because there we oh. ended up having a little bit of a tie and we made an oh. adjustment. So oh. number eight is actually <laughs> 91. Um, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Which I the one, thoroughly disagree with. That's the one that El Insano up there uh, thought... Number three! Was number movie. three with a bullet! Number, yeah. <laughs> so just keep in mind, two of the films that we're going to do today, he booted out were for that... worse than Freddy's Dead. Piece of, yeah. piece of mandrel yeah. poop. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and after the, so after that, we have uh, 1991's Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. And then we have 2003, Freddy versus Jason, which actually I've softened a little too since our recording. Yeah. <laughs> and How's that uh, effect on you? Yeah, you know. And well, then, you just, uh, you so, said the final nightmare. You said the final nightmare twice. 
I did. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you had juggled it around. That's how much it stinks. It really <laughs> it takes. It was that actually is that take number it's, eight it's, and number seven. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it so it's much. Like I watched, Cleveland we wanted to make counts sure. Twice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We yeah. really wanted to make sure. Uh, yeah, and so our uh, <laughs> what number is this? Now? Number seven, because you n- number nine was Nightmare on Elm Street ten. Number uh, I mean, number n- uh, number five. <laughs> number. Thank you. I was like, it's number it's, five because okay, it's the top. It's the four. remake. Freddy's Dead, Dream yeah. Child, Freddy versus Jason. Uh, then... Revenge. Freddy's Revenge. Nightmare on Elm Street two. Yes. Yeah, two. Yeah. Okay. 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 That's yes. a good refresher, and I'm just pretending that that's refresher. for the sake of the the audience because I it's my mind is sure. is gone and I I definitely did not remember what movies we talked about last week. Yeah. So yeah, what are we talking about now? Uh, we're going to be talking about a uh, the uh, Friday the Thirteenth series. Paul, you watched all those. <laughs> I kept right? saying yeah. that all week. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> so yeah, so coming in at number four is 1988's A Nightmare on Elm Street Four: The Dream Master. Yeah. Uh, and, and, well, <laughs> so I, uh, we know so, how okay. you feel about it. I'm the out. No, yeah, I'm. I came in with seven on that one because there was no to me. Okay, there's some great kills. There's uh, but to me, that's it. Uh, the story just seemed like a placeholder story to me. Uh, it, I think if it had Rosanna Arquette in it, I think I would have been. I think I would have liked it much better. But to me, the story was just not there hmm. and it just sort of was like it spun its wheels and then let's just kill off the the three people who survived. which i mean that that's fine you kill off survivors lots of times in sequels but the two guys were killed off just unceremoniously and then they had not roseanne arquette who was sleeping with uh um Ren- rennie harlan you know last much yeah that's that's the other rumors are last much longer in the film than she should have and then it was just like, uh, I just kind of was, I was pretty bored except for like it had some really cool kills. That's why I rated it higher than say five, the dream child. But otherwise that it, it was, it was not great for me. And that, that's my piece. And I'll let you guys say why it was so much better. So, yeah, I personally, so I struggled this with this one a little bit. Uh, I actually ended up putting this at number, uh, Oh, I had it at a number three. Yeah, okay, and I'll explain why in a, in a little while. Um, I actually, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that there are actually a lot of really cool creative kills in this. Um, the ones I had were like the waterbed, uh, the, the whole getting sucked in the movie screen sequence was cool, um, and then the, the Roach Motel sequence is maybe one of the nastiest scenes uh, out of the entire series, in my opinion. So, um, I think that the, the knocks against this film, obviously, yeah, they cast... Uh, the recast the role of uh, what was it? Kristen, I think, was the name of the character. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the re- I don't know why they needed to recast her. Uh, apparently, I actually looked it up. Apparently, no one really knows. But um, mm. probably, the, probably, and we talked about this last week, but probably the laziest uh, way of bringing Freddie back, which <laughs> I still don't entirely understand because it's just the dog like peace fire on but in the guy's in the guy's dream and that brings him back somehow i don't know i don't understand it um but i did write down uh that it literally pisses on the last film which is what it does so uh there's that yeah uh this is also and we'll talk about this in a minute but uh when we get to uh one of the earlier films but this one it just it just goes all in on the gags and the one-liners and it's like this is really where 
Freddy made the transition from a scary psychopath to basically a comedian. Um, oh, see, I'd argue, I'd argue that was more three to me, but we can, when we get talking, uh, about well, that. yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. But, um, yeah. uh, and then there's one other thing, but I'll save it for last. Uh, and I'll let you guys, uh, Renee and Bill, uh, talk about it a little bit. I, um, I mean, I agree with Paul. It's, it's mostly all about the kills, but I think at this point, that's what the movies are. It's all about the kills. Um, every attempt to try to go beyond that usually doesn't work. So the kills in this one are good. I mean, the, the cockroach thing is great. Great practical effects. Um, you can see it coming a mile away. As soon as one character says, ooh, I really hate that, it's like, that's how you're going to die. Eh. And and I guess I also have a little bit of more fondness for this one because it's the uh, last one I've ever seen, thanks to uh, Renee able to hook me up with a copy. Oh, right, um, right. Yeah, it was the one It was like the one I hadn't seen or I didn't remember seeing. And now that I've seen it, I think maybe I did but I probably wasn't paying a whole lot of attention at the time. I, I, the roach kill is just too, uh, seems too familiar to me. Although it's another one of those ones that shows up on the best of 80s, you know. They, they give away all the best parts of these movies so you don't have to actually watch them. But I think this one's this one's fine. It's, it's better than Dream Child, so it's better than the sequel, and everything kind of fell apart from that point on. Um, Bill, did, uh, sorry, did you say where you had this one in your rankings? Number five, Bill had number yeah. five. Okay. So to me, this is Thank this you, is the, the best of the latter, you know, sorry bunch. Uh, you know, it's it's good. It's 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 a mid level film, so it deserves to be right in the middle. Um, it's fine. It's a fine Freddy film. Yes, the, it, everything was getting too jokey. This one, at least, the jokes are fairly funny. Um, it's it's you know, I don't I don't mind that they turned him into a you know, a wise guy and everything. It's just that. For the most part, he wasn't that good at it, and and you know the jokes aren't. It, I do realize one thing though. I was thinking about this, Freddie. The problem with Freddie now, the reason why I don't know if they'll ever be able to go back again, is that of all the the iconic horror villains, he's the easiest one to lampoon and parody. So was it Rick and Morty did a really good, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's and you knew exactly what they were talking about, and it's it was funny because it was true. And it works. You couldn't do that with Michael Myers. He's got no personality. You couldn't do that. Jason, you could do a little bit, but still, it, there's nothing really there to, to get your teeth into. But Freddy's really easy to lampoon because he's such an over-the-top character and you just have to take it even further over the top. He's got some personality to have fun with. And once you do that, it's kind of hard to go back. And they've tried... They, they tried, you know, one of the films that we'll be talking about soon, they tried to come up with a different take, yeah. and then they tried to do the remake, and I just, I think this one needs to be put to bed. I know it's irresistible when no they look intended. at all, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, when they when they see all the money that these things make, they're just like, oh, well, you know, now we got better effects, and we have, you know, popular young actors that these people don't know who these folks are anymore, and you know, we, we can make ads on tiktok or whatever i'm sure there's a million yeah. reasons why they think oh, that they can reboot these films and do better stuff but uh the, the evidence so far um the jury's out on that and doesn't look good so yeah but i like this one fine I, and thank you and thank you renee for getting it to me because i was just gonna i was just gonna read the reader's digest version and pretend that i'd seen <laughs> it and just to be clear, by by giving it to you, uh, you mean that she sent you the the DVD in the mail. She I, went out. She went out to Amazon. She went out to FYI, bought a video, uh, a, a, a Blu-ray, 
she went to the mall by and... mail to me. Yeah. There was a couple of days where we really weren't sure it was going to work. I yeah. had to track it through the mail. And I don't know. They mm -hmm. sent it back and forth to Saskatchewan. I don't know. Who knows how they, these things finally got to see it. Realized I don't have a Blu-ray player, but I borrowed one, <laughs> which was also bought and paid for. So, yeah, it all worked out. Yeah. Now, so, Renee, what did you think of your legally obtained Blu-ray? You, uh, you know, yeah, I, I I found it very entertaining. I think also there's a little bit of nostalgia working on this one for me, too, because mm. of my age when it came out and, you know, seeing it on TV a lot. Um, but, yeah, the kills are really ones like the, the and like everybody's talked about the cockroach one. That has been one of those things that's been in my mind like my whole life. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things I've never forgotten about. And I just... Mm -hmm. Anytime somebody mentions like a roach motel or something or, you know, a roach trap, I'm just like, mm, you know, you think of that moment. Um, yeah, it was just and but there were a lot of things that were kind of goofy. Like I could in my mind, sometimes now when I watch movies, like I can hear Bill in my head. And this was one where it's like the girl is oh, doing no. the nunchucks in the bedroom right next to the fish tank. And I can hear Bill in my head going, don't do nunchucks next to the thing, you know, the, yeah. Yes. So. <laughs> so in, in your head, I sound like uh, Gilbert Gottfried. I do a very bad impression of you. Yeah. I've never been Not anymore. for my impression. Wait, Bill, Bill, do you, you think that she, you, you only sound like Gilbert Gottfried in people's heads? <laughs> oh, got him. I get oh, I got him. Well, hey, uh, Renee, so, do you know who, who is responsible for the, uh, the cockroach scene who did that work do you do you know oh i bet i do was it was it screaming mad george yes it was bill and and renee why is screaming mad george close to your heart i'll give you a hint the word the word is squelching oh! <laughs> he's the man responsible for most of uh, society yeah so, or at yeah. least good portions of it so that that's yeah. probably why that sticks out so much you know, so, I mean, Paul, I, like I said, the kills are great. I think I rated it lower because for me, a lot of my ratings were, would I want to watch this again? And mm. to be honest, I, I would, what? this one, I wouldn't. I would actually just go back to where like Bill and watch, they show all the good kills and all the good scenes in the um, Never Sleep Again documentary. And I would just go back yeah. and watch that. Um, because those are the, to me, those are the only things that stood out. I think the, the story... I guess part of the idea was Alice was supposed to be absorbing their powers as they died, but I don't think they got that across very well. And, and, and part of it is again, like a lot of these films, they didn't have a finished script when they were shooting this. So, and, and Rennie Harlan couldn't speak English very well either at the time. So. Yeah. You, you, so you mentioned Rennie Harlan and we should probably talk about him for a minute because uh, even if he couldn't speak English, I do think that uh, he was a, well, I mean, he, let's be honest. He's made some stinkers in his career, but I think that he is a solid director, and I think this is actually one of the films that's arguably, like, at least it's a well-made film, which is not something I can say for some of these other movies. Um, and I think that he, I think this was, like, what, his second or third movie? Or was it his, maybe I, his I first? I think he did this after Prison. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and so not, this not would have been being his in first Prison, movie? the movie, the, oh, okay. the, yeah, the movie <laughs> yeah. Prison, which is actually really good. I, I, I enjoy Prison a lot. I recommend it. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah. but yeah, um, no, I, like I said, I think the thing that just, that didn't work for me was sort of the story framework they had and, and just the, do I want to watch this again? I think that was why I ranked it lower not because, so like I said, the, yeah, the kills were good. So, I mean, I guess, you know, I could have, 
you know, made a, a chart and said, you know, the, the kills rate this much, the store. But for me, it just it just didn't work. And it might also been I was starting to get Freddy fatigue at that point, too. So. Yeah. So I did, I did want you mentioned the story and some of the, the plot points. OK, so <clears throat> let me let me just read this. Let me I wrote down what I think happens <laughs> and you guys can tell me if I'm right. So so Alice uh, is the she's the new character that has the ability to like control her dreams right mm-hmm. she's the dream master uh Kristen has the ability to pull people into her dreams mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when Kristen dies she intentionally passes that ability over to alice right right okay yeah it says alice does, alice isn't the dream master the dream master i thought was supposed to be freddie and she was wasn't that what it was i can see again i don't think so see, but hold no, on let me, let, hold on hold on i don't let me, i don't let think let me, did alice alice but, could could alice control her dreams because uh, yeah let me finish my point real quick though so so here's the thing though uh freddy has killed there were like the two the two guys the two people from the last movie that he kills and then Kristen, which i believe are all the kids from elm street and i believe that uh somewhere in one of these movies it's stated that he he can basically only get the kids from elm street and so he's using Kristen to get other kids because she can pull them into her dreams. Right. But if she hadn't passed that power on to Alice, if she had just died, Freddie wouldn't have been able to kill anyone. Am I wrong? Or was I just... Um, <laughs> no, that sounds about right. Okay. I... Yeah. Again, was, again... Yeah, I mean, okay. if we're going to go with the logic from that, yeah. But yeah. I, I was going with more that just Freddie at this point was like, oh boy, I can kill people. I don't really give a shit anymore. He had grown, but I thought, so, I thought at one he point, had grown I... so powerful. I thought at one point it was very specifically stated that like he almost needed Kristen because he needed otherwise he couldn't get to the other kids because she was pulling non right that was kids into her dream that was in three though this is four <laughs> oh okay yeah. what am I and you're looking for I'm looking for consistency between you're these okay my that's my mistake okay and that's Fair the thing enough. Freddy Freddie is all powerful except when he isn't you right. know he he yeah. He he's unstoppable until you find the one thing, which can be something really insignificant. Like you turn your back on him, and yeah. and now he's but got it, no power. Like what? That's as bad as like finding out the ruby slippers could have gotten her home at any time. I mean, you know, it's like okay, wow, that was a long way to go for this. So uh, the rules never make sense, and they're even less likely to make sense if, as Paul says, they didn't even have a damn script done. Yeah. So. Ah. So why well, shouldn't yeah, he think, come I back because a dog pisses on him? Why not? Those are the rules. <laughs> which yeah, think, which think, they also use that in Thanks Killing. So, so there you I, go. Or was I it think Thanks my, Killing my, 3? Maybe. We'll have to go back and watch them all to see. Uh, Might have been 2. Yeah I, yeah, I think my bottom line on this one, though, is just like, yeah, it's not a great movie, but it's it's still more entertaining to me than a lot of the other movies. So, again, it's like it's one of those movies I probably rated way higher than I would have if the series overall had been better, but... Right. Yeah. yeah, it's not the final. Well, I think it's it's basically so the same. It. <laughs> well, it's the same. I mean, I think the same reason why I rated it lower. It's like it's something that you would choose to watch again. So therefore, you yeah. rate it higher. And so, if, since you're getting you get the entertainment value out of it, then yeah, that makes perfect sense. Get out of here with your logic. Uh, <laughs> I'm being so reasonable, though. Yeah. You know, it's still not as good as Freddy's Dead: The Final Night. <laughs> okay. All right. Are you ready? On that note, I'm ready, Freddy. Three. Top three. Top oh, God. Here. Oh, I'm ready for my go. top three. Oh, we already did that one. Uh, <sighs> uh, uh, All right. right. What did you guys pick for number three? Number three is 1994 Wes Craven's New Nightmare. I agree. So, 
that's that's very interesting because I had I had uh, Dream Master at number three and I had New Nightmare at number four. So I was very close. Yeah. Oh my both god! Of them. And I had the reverse. You had I the had, reverse. Yeah. Yeah, the reverse. I, um, I had a and... number four. So okay. Yeah, just under number four just under Freddy's Dead. <laughs> Bill, where did you have this one? I had this. He I had, had this at right three. at number three. And, oh, okay. and I could, and I could, and I was wondering. I figured it would probably either be three, four, or maybe there'd be some crazy person who could make a good argument for number two, because it's yeah. one of those divisive <laughs> films that, you know, I could, I could well, have seen somebody rating it way, way low or way, way higher than I think it deserves. But yeah. you know, number three is not, not shabby. It's just that I think the two that I guess we've all are going to agree are the right. two best are so much right. better than everything else. Right. Yeah. So I, here's my one-liner, if I may on new nightmare Uh, i would argue that this movie besides the first one has uh or maybe actually rivals the first one in terms of it has one of the best premises of any of these movies it was way ahead of its time it's it's it it does things that like i mean obviously like uh russ craven would kind of retread this similar ground in like scream and after scream Mm. i mean there was a whole decade of these like meta horror films uh that hasn't really stopped uh, that hasn't really ended, honestly. Um, so it's it's way ahead of its time. I mean, it's just such a phenomenal premise that just uh, I love everything about the setup. But oh my god, I was like, this this movie had scenes where I was just like, I want to fast forward. I have to watch it because I have to you know watch everything. But man, if, if this movie had been like I don't know twenty or thirty minutes uh, shorter, honestly, I think I think the biggest problem was like, man, I wish Wes Craven had someone that he had collaborated with on a script because the setup is amazing mm-hmm. i love it but mm-hmm. there's so much about it it's just it's just the execution is just so bad so it was it hurt me to try to like figure out like this should be my number two honestly this yeah. could have been my number one but it's just like uh, uh yeah the execution just is not there mm-hmm. so what what kind of things in particular i'm curious are that like that you found kind of lacking in terms oh, of just uh, to, to me it just dragged like all the scenes with like i i love so, like, the, the pacing uh, the pacing was yeah. bad. Like so many scenes with like her and her kid, um, which I mean, it's like fine. I get that. Like that was kind of the core kind of mm-hmm. uh, element of that uh, of of the the film. But at the same time, there were all these scenes of like false peril. Um, I don't know. It just it just dragged for me. Yeah, the pacing was bad, and like like when you watch Scream, like there's a, there's a reason that I think that like this has kind of been forgotten by the mainstream. And Scream is, like, still a classic for the mainstream, which is, like, Scream just has the pacing. It has the, uh, you know, Kevin Williamson's script is just it's so good. And this film is not something that you can go back and, to me at least, like, just watch over and over again. Because there are so many elements to it that are just, like, just drag. I mean, that's, that's I mean, that's honestly, it's, like, again, it's, like, I think this movie is, like, 100 or uh, uh, an hour and 50 something minutes with credits and i think, I think it's, it's the longest maybe, one isn't it i think it's, it's the longest one, one. yeah and it, it definitely and it feels like the least amount of money so yeah there's right. cause and effect there. well, i agree like, with everything everything you're saying zach yeah i think mm-hmm. i my theory is that he had this idea and not only is it a, a cool idea but it gives him a chance to get the gang back together again yeah. bring john saxon back for god's sakes yeah and and i mean this Which is i love that, that scene yeah, at the yeah, end, the, this, the meta scene where he's becoming the character. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah th- this so this, good. Uh, this movie is kind of like you know th- this is the movie that made their names really a lot of them and mm-hmm. bringing it back and everything. And I get well, that. I, I totally. I'm willing to bet that this movie was three and three quarters of an hour long, 
and there was John Saxon <laughs> had a backstory, and Robert England had a huge role, and they came to him and said, you've got to cut this down, and he chopped, 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 and it's still too long. Yeah. But that, that thing, I think it was probably hard to cut it down, because this was so personal. Yeah. I will say yeah, one thing, exactly. Um, it's not as original as, as it could be. It's, be. it's way better done, but Lucio Fulci, uh, the great Italian gore master who did a bunch of things, did an insano movie called Cat in the Brain. <laughs> Yes. And Cat, mm. Cat in the Brain is about an Italian horror director named Lucio Fulci, played by Lucio Fulci, who's making a slasher movie in um, in New York, and bad stuff happens, and you're not really sure, is he going crazy? Is he killing people? Is it all, is it all a dream? Not that It's very, very meta. And he did it on a, a tiny budget, even for him, and it's not very successful. But it is worth some watching. Of clip, weren't some nuts. of those clips from existing Fulci films as well, weren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. Did this is, a, this is yeah, a yeah. cheapo. Yeah. This is a cheap thing. But yeah. I, I'll give him credit. It's, it's nuts. And he's not particularly... Lucio Fulci is not particularly great at playing Lucio Fulci, which always amazes <laughs> no, me. Is, but yeah. it's, it's a fun yeah. film. And you know where the title of it comes from, right? It's a, it's a play on Cat in the Hat. So, oh. in a strange, sort go. of bizarre way. But yeah, um, <laughs> Renee, what do, what do you... You wouldn't really chimed in on on this one what's your no that's okay it was i think i thought it was very fun um the, as soon as i saw that kid oh my gosh <laughs> yeah like you know shit kid. bad shit's gonna happen yeah, and did you notice kid. he was playing out in the street in this one too i was like oh. kid you just oh that's yeah. right yeah he's, he's <laughs> yeah yeah gauge gauge yeah, from stop playing in the street. yeah yeah Ooh. yeah you know things no then this time right. it's climbing on top of really tall uh slides yeah yeah um <laughs> but yeah no i thought it was fun i thought it was good and um the premise just you know it was, it was really interesting and the end of it with the script and everything it was just yeah i mean uh, some of the things i thought were interesting about it is like when the first time i saw it i was like i, I was like okay it's kind of cool you know it's got these these people coming into it and i was like but gosh, I just don't believe that she's married to. She would be married to a special effects guy, not realizing <laughs> she was really married to a special effects guy. Yeah. And he didn't want. They wanted him to be in the film, and he said no. He felt it would be a, like a curse if he went in. So oh that's yeah. Why. Oh. Yeah. He's a smart and, um, man. Yeah, but like a lot of it, like she really did have a stalker. But what's funny is, you know, why the stalker was after her? It wasn't because of her her being in these movies. It was because she was in the sitcom Just the Ten of Us and it was canceled. And so the stalker was threatening her because the sitcom that she and like two other uh, Nightmare on Elm Street actresses was in. Was the it the Roach sitcom. Girl? Yeah, yeah Roach Girl. And I can't remember who the other one wow. was. That's the story um, of how Leather Hang- Le- Heather Langenkamp has a uh, restraining order against Paul. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just goes oh. to show you what I've I'll always said tell. that every. Every movie, every TV show, no matter how terrible and how quickly canceled, has at least mm-hmm. one person out there that is fanatic. Who's willing devoted. to kill for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Yeah. You know, but, I just um, noticed that we have film... this crawl on the bottom. I, it, is, it says West oh, yeah. New Nightmare. Has that been for all yeah. the films we've done so far? I literally <laughs> just not noticed Not for New Nightmare. That well, is just really, today. really helpful. Not just... not for the viewers. Yeah. It's helpful for, for me. For us. Sometimes yeah. I forget <laughs> which ones. Yeah. You zone out. Yeah, you lose focus. Yeah, Wes Craven's new nightmare, uh, masterpiece, underrated. I mean, the other thing about the film was it was a, um, it was basically a a a peace offering from, from uh, um, Robert Shea to to yeah to um, Wes Craven because Wes Craven had to sign over all the rights to get to Nightmare on Elm Street, 
and mm. he I pretty much hated like most of them. And so yeah. it was Bob Shea saying, "Hey, this let you back in. Plus, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, uh, basically back the not give you back the rights, but give you a cut of the profits of all the previous films." Okay, that's that so. was decent of him. Yeah, so that was actually pretty nice. This is definitely also like a movie that I think it's it is enjoyable if you know something about the people involved. Like when I I watched this movie like when I was a teenager, I I think I actually did know who Wes Craven was. I think I realized that you know that was him playing himself. But I mean, I would have I would have had no idea who Robert Shea was, obviously. But now like knowing who these people are and that they're playing themselves, it's it's fun. It's fun to watch. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just wish it had been a better movie. Uh, I do one other thing like that we haven't even talked about yet. Uh, I do like the fact that they try to bring Scary Freddy back. Uh, you can argue that yeah. you know whether or not mm. it's effective. Um, you can argue whether or not the the new look is actually good or not. But I do like the fact that Wes Craven was basically kind of erasing the last five films or whatever six right. films and saying no, Freddy Krueger is a horror icon and he's gonna be scary. Which and is funny though, because arguably, arguably, the thing that made him more and more famous was him getting kind of jokier and having more of a personality. But well, again, that's yeah, why I mean, that's... it didn't do as well. This movie did not make the money that the others did. It was a little too yeah. highbrow, and it wasn't funny. So, oh yeah, it, yeah. Well, yeah. I think I think the 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 highbrow part. I mean, it's arguable. It's also just you know not a very exciting movie. But like, I don't think the average film goer really was like oh yeah hey it's robert shake can you believe they they got it no it, no they didn't care um no yeah well and even like I, the 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 other woman from new line was in it too which i didn't realize she's the one who yeah. greets greets her there as well so i didn't realize that was even you know till mm-hmm. i was watching like i was like oh wait she's a real person i'm sure when well, they're, they had they're the all premiere, real people paul yeah why uh, they had the premiere all these people were there in the theater just elbowing each other about how much they love this because you know, they get to yeah. sort of play versions of themselves, and that's awesome. But you know, then there's then there's the other three hundred million people in the country that have no idea yeah. who these folks are, and you know, who, who they needed to... like the director chair thing where they could put their name on the back and like, yeah. could, so everybody but, would would know. But you know, Wes was in the audience. And he's like, look, see the way she's drinking coffee. That is so the way she drinks her coffee. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, that's great. Okay. <clears throat> uh, I, I did actually. Sorry, one other thing I want to talk about because something that I that occurred to me after we recorded last week, uh, nineteen ninety four, another movie came out, and I I, I I knew that the 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 evolution of, of Freddy was reminding me of something, but I couldn't remember what, and I it finally hit me. But there's another movie that came out in nineteen ninety four that I would argue is kind of similar to where they were going with the Freddy character, and uh, as opposed to this film, made a shit ton of money. Do you guys know what movie I'm talking about? Okay, hear me out, but The okay. Mask. The Mask. <coughs> Pardon me. Interesting. Because thinking about all the all the stuff they do yeah. with Freddy, where, I mean, he in the dreams he can do whatever he wants, like the Super Freddy thing from right. Freddy's Dead, uh, playing yeah. the video game, uh, the Wicked Witch thing. Like, that's all crazy shit that The Mask did. And I was like, wait a yeah. minute. And I know The Mask was, like, based on a comic, I think. But I was like, that's actually, like... If they had got, if they had kept going with that, they actually would have basically been making a slightly scarier version of the mask. But I don't know. Oh, I, I thought you meant if they kept yeah. going with the mask because they did, but 
We oh, yeah. Well, Son of the Mask well, is a classic, but we'll talk about that. Yeah, 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 play, right? You know, I, got, I just want to say for about The Mask, The Mask is really one of the most influential movies that Hollywood ever made. Not because of the movie or the premise or anything, but because they so screwed up by not having it that he had to be in the sequel. You know, just make a one and done thing. And then it makes all this money. You're like, we're going to do a sequel. And the guy's like, hey, not so fast. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, if you make any movie, even one that ends with you dead, buried, cremated, you have to sign a thing that promises you will be yeah. available for a sequel from now until the heat death of the universe. They've got that <laughs> locked in there. So uh, way to go, Mask. There must have been someone who lost their job. Is, is just <laughs> sitting on Hollywood Boulevard with a tin cup rattling around there, you know, begging for change for not for not locking Jim Carrey in there. Oh well. Although although the mask was also I, I did I had to look it up. Uh, mask was produced by New Line Cinema, so there you go. Yeah. So we could have yeah. we could have a, a Freddy versus the Mask. Yeah. I'm actually I'm actually curious now. I wonder. I guess like Bob. I mean Bob Shea was. I mean he was basically. Credited uh, credited on anything that that New Line made of them at that point, right? I mean, he was he was technically a producer. Oh, holy shit! I fucking forgot who directed the mask. I don't know who. Chuck Russell. Oh yes, yes, Chuck Russell. Oh, that's right. Oh, Chuck Russell. Yeah. Who's Chuck Russell? <laughs> well, we're about to talk we're about, about to him in a moment. About so Chuck we'll Russell get to oh. about two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he directed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't pay attention to the director. Okay, sorry. We're all I'm, first-time I'm, directors, so I'm sorry. We're I'm I'm far, far off topic here, but I just made that connection and my mind is blown. Um, I'll well, I'm back. Sorry, who's the no. cinematographer? I don't know. I'm paying attention. I don't know the math uh, for the mask. Uh, it was uh, John R. Leonetti. You didn't know that off the top of your head. Um, I'll get us. I'll get us back. I'll get us back on track here, though, by saying that the uh, that new nightmare uh, did not appear on my other ranking list because it technically did not have an original song for the credits. However, I did forget to mention, so I want to backtrack just a little bit. Yes. I, yes. I wanted to mention uh, Dream Master uh, number three. Three. Uh, actually, did I, I had this at number three uh, in my rankings and number three for the theme song. Um, do you, do, where do you have this one, Renee? Um, I had this actually... What are the most inappropriate songs... Uh, even like more so than the than the rap from yeah freddie's dead but it, it's a great it song i had this actually in the lower the lower half of my um yeah. well oh, of course this is the immortal fight breakout i want your hands on me for my sinead o'connor oh, which wait. i believe is like a remix version in this movie oh <laughs> which again it's a very uh, they play it like during the movie and then they play it during the credits so i counted it as the credit song this um, one I this one I marked okay now see now you and I had different sort of like um things so um where it's like <laughs> like it came up during Freddy versus J <laughs> um <laughs> so it was it was how it jived with the movie mm -hmm. you know and so it seemed like it's like oh you know they're at the little wishing well kind of thing and she sees his reflection and then it goes away and like oh, my wish is going to come true. And she's like in her little virgin white outfit. And it's like, I want your hands. It's like, whoa. It's like, <laughs> what's happening? This song doesn't have anything to do with this. Yeah. It was just very random. So that's why. I, yeah. I it's it's a, yeah, it's, it's, it was, I struggled with this, but uh, it, 
it probably should not be at number three, but it's a catchy song, so I'm going to leave is. it there. It is. See, you know, if it were just, like, going by the song itself, then I would probably... Yeah. But now I will tell you the Wes Craven's New Nightmare, because it didn't really have a song, but yeah, it had a composer. Was... Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And I didn't find anything... Please. Yeah? No, no, no. Please. No, you oh. you finish, and then there's something else I want to backtrack on. Oh, yeah. no, 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 never, never mind. I don't want to backtrack on it. It's a movie we haven't talked about yet. Go. Okay, I won't. <laughs> I had, I had a bunch of stuff that I missed last week. I'm sorry. I had a bunch of oh, stuff, and now I'm trying to, like, remember all the stuff on a backpack on. So right, I apologize, yeah. Renee. No, it's okay. I, I'm, yeah, similar, because I have to say something about another, another song we did. Um, oh. If you listen back to this, and I I actually mm-hmm. have a little compilation I'll send you guys when we're done. <laughs> wow. It's very, I think it's very timely. It's It has, like, an essence of Seinfeld and an essence of Goosebumps. The it's song? It's very bizarre. Yes, the ending. It's by J. Peter okay. Robinson. Nobody, I don't know. Nobody knew. Sorry, sir. Okay. Uh, nobody knows this man. Um, we should we should put that on the end of this video so that our audience can listen in because I'm totally lost on how I'll, you made that I'll connection. I'll play it for but... you, like before we yeah before we hang up. Okay. I'll play it for you guys. Yeah. All right. So we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll try to remember to edit on the. So stick around, folks, for the end where you can see how Sinead O'Connor's "I Want Your Hands on Me" is uh, similar to the. To Seinfeld. Maybe we yeah. should save that no, for No, not that Patreons. song. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're talking about you're talking about New Nightmare, right? The New Nightmare. Oh, the one that was just yeah. like the <laughs> No wonder you're okay. That's yes. Okay. The friggin' Sinead O'Connor song. I'm still a little confused, Seinfeld. but way less confused than you'll get yeah. when you hear it. Okay. She actually ghost wrote the theme to Seinfeld. You didn't realize oh, yeah. that? Oh yeah. <laughs> um okay. one quick throwback though I do have, and I'm so sorry I'm gonna do mine before you. Um, is the song uh, what was uh, by Kumo, Cool Modi um, mm-hmm. was actually Let's Go. Yes, it was very important song in rap history because it was part of a battle between him and LL Cool J. And it, oh. uh, yes, where LL Cool J came out with the Mama Said Knock You Out or whatever song that like hmm. propelled him back into the scene so wait what was let's go let's go wasn't an original song then no oh okay well okay yeah. for some so reason it was just i thought part that... of this rap battle it, it, it really okay. it hurts my heart when i see multi-millionaires fighting <laughs> you know right if, if they could just get along i know they've had it rough you know <laughs> they got to go back to their gated house and sit in their swimming pool sipping champagne stewing stewing over what this other guy in his mansion are saying about them but i hope they're still both well, with us yeah uh I, I, well i, I was going to say i don't know what cool modi is up to, to these days but uh i still you know love l cool j so i'm, I'm going to say uh, yeah, final he word won. he he won <laughs> he won yeah. well, all right yeah. Speak, let, let's uh let's get back to the 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 subject at hand though are we done are you guys done with uh, the current the subject, well, subject I was at hand to segue well, to our uh, well, number two but let me make one more well, connection you because step on the segue. you know what you know what uh movie ll cool j was in right yes halloween rennie harlan's deep blue sea Ooh, bring oh, it all back. oh okay i love that yeah. movie that movie's yeah. great that, that movie you know having worked in science and and paul who, who got a degree in marine biology can uh, can back me up on this that is exactly what marine biologists look like Oh, certainly. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. And they walk walking around in their bikinis and their you know amazing supermodel bodies and everything. It's it's a miracle any work gets done. We probably would have figured <laughs> out how to desalinate the ocean by now if it wasn't for the constant distraction of supermodel scientists walking around the lab. That's why that's why I had to leave and go into computers. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because you were distracting everyone in your speedo. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Also, <laughs> okay, I love I... The, I love the premise. Let's put the brains of. Um, of, of um, uh, what do you call um, uh, German shepherds into sharks because that's a thing that we really need to do. All right, I apologize, Renee. Before we get Bill started on Deep Blue Sea, now <laughs> yeah, we can let's... move on. Okay. Yes. Oh, look, he disappears like a coward. He, he runs keeps away. Disappearing. Yeah. yeah. I just see oh, a big eyeball that's... looking at me in a judgmental way. He's gonna have to fill that in with like a little Freddy face. Um... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, number is. two. Are you ready? We're it ready. is. I'm ready. 1987's Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream. What? Yes. And yep. I would argue, if I if I had to pick, like, you could only watch one right now as soon as this is over. That's probably the one I'd pick. I think for yeah. entertainment value, yeah. it's, it's the best. Um, mm -hmm. And it's the one that completely saved the franchise. Yeah. So did any of us not have it as number two? Oh, this is, I think, the last two were I, unanimous. Yeah, because, I mean, that's... thing to a sure bet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so but I'm with you, Bill. I, like I said, it's it's probably, if I had to go straight with, you know, we'll kind of get into why number one is number one when we get to that. But for strict here and chain value, if I want to rewatch something, this would be the one I'd probably watch. At least for me as well. Uh, Renee, I, I feel like we're talking too much. Why don't you go first and tell us why this was number two for you? Oh, gosh. Why is it number two for me? Because I liked it more than the other ones. No. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> well, that, that's, that's good logic. Great timing there. Um, man, you know, the cast was fun. Mm -hmm. um, it, uh, I don't know. You know, they managed to, to kind of keep, keep, keep it consistent. But with variety, um, whether it be like, you know, maybe through the characters or through like, he always has just, he always just has these really fun kills and stuff. And, you know, he, he was, you know, amusing. He wasn't full on like full ham Freddy. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a great, just a great combination of, of everything. And it was very entertaining. And some of the characters were just great. So yeah so so for me like this is the perfect example of when uh when you take the logic that is usually applied to sequels that they have to be bigger and better this one gets it right because this one does that and it does it in all the right ways and uh you know so i think we're, we're gonna have a lot to kind of talk about here because like one of the things uh, that, you know, Paul, you keep mentioning this as the movie that kind of started him down the track of being funny Freddy. And I actually, that was one of my cons was uh, that it does actually kind of start that trend. And uh, a lot of the other movies, you know, just kept going with it and went ham. But I would actually argue that this this movie does the perfect, it, it walks that tightrope of him still being scary. Because he does have some one-liners in this, but he only has like a few... And even the one-liners that he has, they're still, like, 
kind of sadistic because I think the one that everyone remembers and that, you know, gets quoted. In fact, I think it actually is it number five or number six, because a lot of these movies have like quotes in, in the in the beginning. And one of them actually quotes this line, I believe. Um, but the welcome to prime time, bitch, is yeah. I think anyone who's ever watched this movie, if you've forgotten everything about this movie, you still remember that line. But it's still what, what, like what? he's just. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I remember seeing it like in the theater and it stood that what the the comedy aspects of it is something that like stood out to me and the people I was with and the things we talked about afterwards. Like, wow, that was like there was like funny shit in there. I wasn't expecting that. So it was that's not why to me it kind of really stands out. And like you said, when you go back, it does. I think it really does walk that line. It, it is still creepy. It does, does have some scary stuff. But then it does have that. I mean, just seeing Jaja Gabor with with, yes. with Dick Cavett. Yes. And, and they said they, they said, Dick Cavett, you could have anyone you want to be on, be as a guest. And he's like. I can't think of any one I'd want to kill more than Jaja Gabor. <laughs> and I would never have her on my show. So, yes, let's get Jaja yeah. Gabor. So that was like because he hated her so much. It's so good, though. It's so brilliant because that doesn't look like a setup until you realize it's a setup. Like, it's done right, so yeah. well. Granted, I, I, you know, I wasn't old enough at the time to watch Dick Cavett when he was on the sh on TV. So I wouldn't I wasn't like familiar with him as a host. But like it, it like it, uh, I knew that it was a setup because you see their their names in the, in the opening credits. But if I hadn't, I, I wouldn't have guessed like I wouldn't have known until he shows up. So no, I mean, well, just I, I am old enough to remember I watched Dick Cavett, Merv Griffin, Mike Douglas. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, it was it was spot on. Perfect. And uh, dinosaur, too. I, and I like Paul. I did see this at the uh, at the theater and had a, just a rollicking great yeah. time. Yeah, I, I, I man, I just I, I can't get over though, just like how this this movie it has just enough comedy. Uh, it 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 it, it, it is trying not to retread exactly what the first film did and the second film, and it it's, it has its own voice, but at the same time, it's building on what the first film built. It's not completely like ignoring it or disrespecting it, which I believe uh, doesn't Wes Craven now, uh, Paul, you probably know because you watch all the documentaries, but he has like some sort of co-writing credit on this one. Right. Do you know how involved he I'm, was? No, I don't. I didn't think he was involved in this one. Oh, he wasn't. Um, I don't re I don't recall him being involved in it, but yeah. Um, so I'm not sure why he'd have a co-writing credit. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, perhaps he does, but I don't remember uh, that. He has a story credit. Yeah, cuz I remember credit, seeing that. Yeah, I remember so. seeing that when the when the movie like in the opening credits and I was like, "Oh, I didn't realize." That's interesting. So, yeah, no, I'm not sure. I don't I don't yeah. recall well, that part of it. Actually, I, I can well, see that. He has a screenplay yeah. credit as well. It's him the, the the credited writers are him, Bruce Wagner, I don't know who that is, but then Frank Darabont and Chuck Russell. Yeah. And this this so, doesn't um, surprise the thing me. I don't... No, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to oh, say, I, the, I was just thinking, <laughs> no, you go ahead. I, I insist. No, no, because you're going to stick with this part of the topic. I'm going to veer off to something else, so. Oh, you go really ahead. think I'm going to stick with a topic? <laughs> oh, okay, then I'm jumping in before I get I lose my, my chance. So one of the things I like about this one is, um, and this is, this is going to sound weird, it's something it has in common with Poltergeist 2, which is it shows what happens to people after the horror movie. Yeah. So the 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 damage that was done to to Nancy, the damage that was done to her dad, I thought that stuff was brilliant. Where, you know, here he was the sheriff of the town, and now he is, a, you know, an alcoholic security guard. 
and mm-hmm. and he's just miserable, and his relationship with Nancy has gone down the toilet. And it's kind of neat because it kind of ta- gives you an idea of what kind of happened at the end of Nightmare on Elm Street. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. we have some sort right, of idea. Right. And so I really like that aspect of it is that it's like these people were affected by what happened and, and not in a good way. And that's Poltergeist 2, that's like one of the things that's actually good about it is you see like the family is just utterly fucked up afterwards. So, yeah, I, kinda, I, I which, really like that aspect of it. Which does make sense. Any survivor of a horror movie should have PTSD for the rest of their life. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Wilson, they just bounce back. Oh, remember that think. time? Yeah, you would think. I was going to say that it makes sense to me that this has more involvement from Wes Craven because one of the elements that I really like about this is something that Craven did going all the way back to Last House on the Left, which is a really unpleasant movie but brilliantly made and, and has some shockingly beautiful sequences, and then there's the rest of it. So it's an interesting film. It's kind of a cannibal holocaust of slasher movies. And the thing I liked, mm. I, I've always liked about that is the the second half of Last House on the Left is the parents fighting back against these maniacs that murdered their daughter. Yeah. Um, right. and, and setting traps in the house and everything and like turning the home into a fortress. And, and I, I just like, I like that in West, and Wes Craven also did this in um, uh, The Hills Have Eyes. He, Normal he, he people. Does and in Nightmare on Elm Street. In original. Nightmare on Elm yeah. Street, she, she actually sets up, yeah, traps for him. Yeah, the idea that his his horror movie victims are not sheep being led to the slaughter. Mm-hmm. They don't always survive. They often don't. But at least they don't just cower in a corner and wait for the machete to come down on top of them. And I like that. I like seeing That's that. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, and, and it makes perfect sense that having set up this premise of, you know, Freddy being powerful in dreams, it's like, well, can the people who are dreaming also have powers there. If, if in your dreams uh, anything can happen, if you could control that, if you could have lucid dreams, you could actually fight back. And that's cool. And of course it gives these characters a chance, you know, what is their ideal, what is their superhero persona? All these kids are screwed up, but they can use that. And and then of course, Freddy can also use those weaknesses against them. So it's great. That, you, know what, you know what got me into the theater for this one? Because I actually didn't go see Freddy 2 in the theater. But this one I had to go see because I was a big reader of Fangoria. And this must have been on the cover three or four months in a row. I mean, there were so many cool mm. practical effects. Just Freddy with the syringes and everything. I'm like, oh, yeah. God, that is oh. awfully cool. Also, like, one again, one of the, to me, one of the creepiest and, well, almost like cringiest of any sequence in any movie is the whole tendon puppet sequence. Oh. Which oh. just yeah. makes me, hmm. Yeah. Mm, yeah, and it killed Renee apparently. Oh, there she is. It did. Yeah, it's so good. And, and that's that's oh. what, like I was saying. It's like there's some there are some funny moments. Freddie has some one-liners, but there are some really really horrific moments that make you cringe. And it's just I had to, the like, perfect. Get up and like just yeah. I had to like get up and leave. And then yeah. I was just oh that I can't. Yeah. That movie I've, I've made never... me not able to watch. Um, How um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Couldn't watch Hellraiser because I had just seen that. <laughs> like I'm not ready, not ready. I've never seen anyone oh. cosplaying that, and that would be difficult. <laughs> no, honestly, yeah. though, you'd, you'd have to cool... have a way to have the, the they stick up like through rods or something. To have yeah. Oh, you, know, you definitely use rods, but you know, I mean, most of the time you're going to a Halloween party, and it's going to be hard to get a drink into your mouth when you've got that. Oh. Or you could yeah. cosplay as Freddy with an actual like marionette that is looks oh. lifelike and has the oh yeah the tendons true. as the strings. Right. I, I want to say, Bill, when you mentioned their powers, it reminded me of the wizard kid 
and that brought up just the one one problem I had with this film. At one point, he's sitting there, and he's got like two of the other kids with him, and they're basically playing D and D, and he's like, you know, he's the dungeon master. So it's it's the one kid I can't remember which one it is, but then the other one is the mute. The one who can't talk. It's a little hard to role play when you're. I'm sorry, if our mute audience. That is come extremely back, they can, ableist. They can yell at me. I guess they can't. That is ableist. But yeah, it's that is ex- it's, that is extremely ableist of you, Paul. I guess it, it is. But he was. I was just like, oh boy, that's really difficult. I guess he's writing down what he's doing. Yeah, you know, where he's, he's just writing. He wasn't even signing because he didn't sign, you know did he? That kid. That so. kid grew up. That kid grew up to be a potential senator from Pennsylvania. So you just keep <laughs> close your mouth. <laughs> Oh, did he? Yeah, did I don't he run know. for the actor? Yeah, or are you just I don't know. Bull- bullshitting. I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, ball. hell, you know, Gopher ended up being, you know, a, a senator. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and, it, you know. Donald Trump ran for president. I mean, you know, dream big. Not in this speak, movie. Speaking of, speaking of nightmares. Um, <laughs> and he yeah. didn't make it past the next one. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, that uh, is actually one thing I did appreciate in the way they killed him off jumping back to four, which I didn't really like that, that his kill was related to what happened in this one. It was sex that got this kid. Like, you know, it was him and the nurse. And then in the end, it was him and the naked woman in the, 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 the pool in the, 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 the The waterbed waterbed. So they apparently, they did. I don't know if have you guys seen the, the shots, they did some makeup tests with the, the actress who played the nurse topless and with a freddy head on and uh and it, hmm. it's 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 disturbing it's just like you, you weren't you weren't sh- you weren't sure which folder to put those on on your computer were you paul yeah <laughs> well wait 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 so, so wait do you mean like there were there were two freddy heads where her breasts would be or something no oh god no <laughs> no no she's wearing freddy makeup but then it's oh. like here kind of it kind of it kind of peters out into her her bosoms so yeah. I think my idea is oh. way more horrific. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. It. it was well they they decided not to go that route, so needless to say. You, you know you know what we haven't even talked about though in this movie? Uh we talked a little bit about the cast and you know Patricia Arquette is great. Um fucking Lawrence Fishburne as yes! like, it, who I wish he had been in this more because he I mean Lawrence Fishburne is one of those actors I don't think he's ever phoned it in and anytime you see him in in a uh, a movie before he was a big star a small role like you almost wonder like i feel like if i had and i guess maybe you guys can comment on this if you remembered him but like as it, you feel kind of feel like you can say ah i bet that guy's gonna be uh, a star because some people have so that good. presence even yeah, more in this good. one he shows more promise than johnny depp does in the first one yeah, depp is good. that is that uh, is but, true but fishburne definitely has that quality and he doesn't have yeah. to say much there there's some people i don't know what it is some undefinable thing that they have that just they have star quality yeah uh, maybe it's something you work at maybe it's something you're born with but uh yeah he was he was definitely good hey can i just talk a little bit about chuck russell since that's apparently a big mystery yeah. to paul here who so who chuck, chuck who? russell yeah who who chuck We've russell's talked... first movie was something that i mean i can see why they hired him for this one his first movie was dreamscape oh yeah oh, okay which makes you know it's, it's kind of the same thing uh and then this is his second one three years later dreamscape yeah. eh, did okay um but what did he make after one, this well then he made the blob yeah a movie that we, we, we've talked about that we, yeah okay and, and then the blob didn't do too well so it was about another yeah. six years his his 
filmography is full of these gaps. Very um, weird, though. Too. Then he did the mask, and the mask, the mask made which was literally a I think like of money. I think it may and have then, been the top grossing film. Of I, I think it may have been. And then two years later, he made Eraser, which is no great yeah. movie, but also made tubs yeah. of money. And yeah. then he's gone for four years, does something called Bless the Child that I don't think I've ever seen. Which is, yeah, it's it's not good. It's not good. And then he did The Scorpion King. And The yeah. Scorpion King oh, is also was... not great, but it made money. It's fun. It's a fun yeah. little movie. And then eight years. I would have liked it more if they weren't like, The Rock, The Rock, The Rock. And then you get two seconds <laughs> of The Rock, and yeah. then it's all CGI rock. <laughs> no, I think yeah. that was, that's... No, that was, there, that was The Mummy. The, did you that was the Mummy too. This was the oh, Scorpion right. King. Yeah, yeah. Right. This is where they actually yeah. they actually that's finished right. the job on the CGI. Yeah, uh, the Mummy too. Oh, the Mummy too is well, such it a great It was like a movie. prequel, it and so... it was about him back as a warrior or something. Right, like right. Yeah. It was good. It was fine. And, I and, well, I refuse to watch that. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> when you watch it, you you think you, uh, he's another guy you watch, and you're like, this guy's going to go places. He's you know, he's got charisma. But then you know, he's well, keep, since keep then it... he did Fringe, he did I Am Wrath, which went nowhere. Now he's doing films in India. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know. An odd so. career. Renee, can you please. Films? Yeah. Uh, Renee, can you can you please uh, book Chuck Russell for the podcast so we can we can interview him about his now, who very, are you? His very oh, review. Uh, his very uh, career. I will. I will. I appreciate it. Right By the way, I just I just looked it up. The Mask was actually number five, but it made uh, still a shit ton of money for a 1994 yeah, film. Sure. So. Because the, right. the, the Lion King and Forrest Gump came out that, that year as well. well so. they, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was well, going mean, to say, how did it end up being number five? Yeah. Also, well, yeah, also, those, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. You just, like, you know, they didn't have high hopes for this movie because they didn't sign the actor on for a sequel. <laughs> right. I mean, this is just like, yeah, we're going to throw this little sci fi comedy out there. And then all of a sudden, they're like, whoa. Yeah. It's also, it's also a movie based on a comic book, which at that time was kind of a gamble. Right. So. Um, a comic book no what, one had ever read. Yeah. Oh, and probably no one's ever still read. But uh, I, to bring it back a little bit, there's there's one other thing I wanted to mention uh, about this movie because uh, we, we were talking about, you know, music. Uh, this is pr- maybe actually the biggest disappointment of this movie because I hadn't I didn't remember the music at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Opening credits. Uh, this The the score was composed by Angelo Badalament, Badalamenti. I'm probably oh. mispronouncing that name. Are you guys familiar with Angelo Badalamenti? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, yeah. The composer for multiple David Lynch projects, including Twin Peaks. Yeah. And I saw, oh. his, I saw his name in the credits. I was like, oh my God, I'm in for a treat. Yeah. It is the most generic. I don't know if he <laughs> like owed someone a favor. Maybe uh. maybe like the original composer dropped out and they were like, Angelo, you got to save us. You have, uh. you know, 48 hours to compose and record a score. I don't know, but I, I was so disappointed. I was like, oh, maybe, my God, what happened? Maybe he did what you expected, and all of a sudden, he had go, here's your score, and it's like a bunch of Mongolian throat screamers <laughs> or something. And and they're like, no! And he's like, fine, like, comes back with, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. And like, perfect! Yeah. So, you know, yeah. you got to uh, know anyways, your market. That, that, was, that was my personal biggest disappointment about this movie, because I saw his name in the credits. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be good. I can't believe I don't remember yeah. the score. There's a reason I don't remember the score. I do love his stuff on Twin Peaks. Yeah. That was some amazing work. Hmm. Yeah. This was the movie where I thought, what other horror franchise has had so many uh, future stars in it? Hmm. 
which I, I think this is the one because it had Johnny Depp in the beginning. Then Lawrence Fishburne shows up. And then. Uh... Yeah, I'm trying to think now. Um, <laughs> I mean. Even well, towards uh... the end, like. Uh, Rooney Mara was before yeah. she did the dragon yeah. tattoo. Yeah, you, know? well, you gotta give you gotta give Grizzly too some props. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. true. Yeah. Well, we're talking about movies that were released within like a couple years of being produced, not ones released in a couple ah. decades. So, <laughs> this, in was, fairness, this, this, this movie has as film? much bear in it as as uh, Grizzly Two does. So. Oh, I don't know. That, see, now well, that would it? just further my theory. Yeah, I, right. I believe it was. Yeah. By the way, so for for reference, uh, Angela Badalamenti did the score for this the year after he he did Blue Velvet. So wow. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, I'm trying to think like because obviously Night uh, Friday the Thirteenth has Kevin Bacon, but other than that, I mean, Crispin Glover, but you know he's a star in my heart, but not necessarily in Hollywood. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of. Uh, I'm trying to think of like what other, uh, what other big stars came out of the like any of the big series other than like the main yeah. the main actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean you watch you watch the slasher movies from that time, and there's usually one or two. Sometimes there's one or two people. There was one with Jason Alexander. Was that? Um, yeah, the, uh, the burning. Yeah, the burning. Yeah. The burning. And and, yeah. uh, and and it's got um, which also has Fisher Stevens in it, and um. Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter, yeah. Yeah. And Harvey Weinstein, so. Yeah. <laughs> he's not he's not in it. Unfortunately, his name is on it, but I don't think he's in it. So yeah, I I don't know. I I uh yeah, I think I think like you Bill, I think you said, I think you sounded up perfectly actually. It's like if right now you had to watch another Nightmare, you had to rewatch one of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. I think it'd be this one. I mean, as as much yeah. as I love the original, it's like this is this is the perfect kind of balance of fun and horror. Which uh, the series kind of strove for for the next uh, seven or eight years, and right. it just it never matched. Never got. Uh, and and yeah, it, it, never it saved the franchise, and at the mm-hmm. same time, you could you could argue it ruined the franchise. Though I'd say it's hard yeah. to make that argument when five more movies came out afterwards. Yeah. But this was the beginning of the end. But I don't know. Could could Scary Freddy have actually lasted five films? How many things? Can I don't. Do? I don't think so. I think this he develops yeah, more of a I personality agree. with this. I mean that's. That's why I have this one sandwiched firmly between the first one, which is the scariest, and and Freddy's Dead, which is the funniest. <laughs> it fits perfectly in between the two. It's like a little mm. sandwich that you go, like or oh, you pull it yeah, open we, and just eat the I know what kind of sandwich it is. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, on that note, uh, Renee. Yeah. Yeah, go so, ahead. What could yeah. be number, wait, drum yes, roll? Sus- uh, so. What could our first one be? Well, actually, we have to. We have to. Oops! I just kicked my desk. We oh, have yeah. to briefly so touch we, on uh, we left, Dream Warriors, oh, no. composed yeah. and performed. We left. We actually home. left uh, the last episode cut off right where uh, I told Renee I was going to tell her why she was wrong, and she told me that she, I was. I was going to realize that I was wrong, which is probably what's going to happen here. Um, but yeah, so where, where did you have this one on your list, Renee? I had this one as. Uh, it's it's kind of tied for number three, so but I I put it into number four. Wow! All right. Well, I had this one at actually I had this one at number zero. I actually I actually one it had it's better than one, 
This is such a great song. This is Dokken, like, this is the one song I can, like, if I'm in a mood for, like, 80s metal, I can, or just 80s rock, I can put this on and just jam out to it. This is... Wow. I remember one time I was, I was, uh, I used to work at a place that, that we, I think they had, like, the Xfinity or whatever piped into the lobby um, and they would put it on, like, sometimes they would put it on, like, the, like, classic rock station. And I remember one time, I, two days in a row, I was leaving work. And as I was going out the door, this was playing. And I was like, it must be a sign. Dream Warriors by Dokken. The the universe is trying to tell me something. I just, I, I love the song so much. It's so much fun. This is, like, the epitome of great, like, 80s horror soundtrack to me. Wow. Wow. Man, look at that! I, now I got to listen to it again. Yeah. See what I did wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and you should all listen to it over and over and over until you agree with me that this is hands down the greatest, uh, the greatest song, the greatest uh, credit song in any of the uh, Friday. Uh, it's the greatest credit song in any of the Friday the Thirteenth films. <laughs> also, the greatest song, credit song in any of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. So there you have it. <laughs> and also, the best Ingmar Bergman one as well. It's true. Yeah. Uh. Good. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny, and I don't know if maybe it was the mood because the ones that I had, um, you know, the hot ones I had higher were just kind of, I think, a little bit goofier of credit songs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's really interesting. But yes, I will listen to the next Q tips when I may or may not uh, mm. uh, agree. Okay, and I will I will recommend this film on that episode of Q Tips just so I can sing it at the end of the episode. So there oh you go. wow! Oh, so, so we'll look forward to perfect, perfect. Yeah, yeah, I can save my pipes. Mm-hmm. Yes, want to hear you hit those high notes with that one. You're welcome, Shelley. Oh man! All right, so number one, are you ready for number one? Yes. Which one could Ooh. it be? I don't know. It is 2010s. No, just not. <laughs> it is it is 1984's Nightmare on Elm Street. Woo, woo, original. Woo, woo. Original. Well, I I, I kind of alluded to this before. I think the reason I dropped this at the put this at the top is it's just first. It is plain the scariest. It is still yes. creepiest shit. Still has some of the the creepiest imagery, like like Tina Tina down the hallway. Scares the yeah. Fuck I out forget of how scary time. this movie is when I haven't watched mm-hmm. it in a while. I forget that it genuinely has some some creepy scenes. Yeah, because you're thinking when you think Freddy, you think you know. Yeah. Primetime bitch and and you yeah. know all the quips and everything and and then you get back to this and it's just like wow. Yeah. And and it's not even just like the setups, but like it blows my mind how like I think the first couple films actually hold up incredibly well. Uh, special effects wise like until you get to like i don't know five or six but this movie there it there there are maybe one or two effects that don't quite pull it off but other than that like this movie uh exceeds most horror movies made today just in terms of like how impeccable the the scene with tina in the uh in the it, like in the you know going up on the ceiling um mm-hmm. the scene where uh johnny depp gets sucked down into the uh, yeah. the the bed and all the blood like you said Paul her in the hallway uh like th- it's just they're they're all like I don't see how they made these effects in 1984 because they are flawless they are absolutely well, flawless the, the the two first two you mentioned were used the same room they built a 
They right. built yeah. a rotating but, but, room. Yeah, I know, I know yeah. how they did it, but I'm saying <laughs> I know, I know you're saying it yeah, still yeah, looks they... flawless. Like it doesn't. Well, look the fun like... part is though when they when they dump the 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 blood through for Johnny Depp's, mm-hmm. it it was it knocked the whole thing out of kilter and the whole thing just spun <laughs> like <laughs> spun back around, almost killed everybody. So yeah, that's yeah. fun. Oh, yeah, water's but, yeah. I mean, people yeah, it tend is. to forget it's it's heavy and it's unpredictable because it yeah. uh, it sloshes around. Well, if you um, watch, it actually leads to a really cool shot where like the blood is kind of flowing across the yeah. ceiling mm-hmm. and that was just mm-hmm. pure chance because they were about, they got killed. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like there are a lot of movies though, that would try effects like this back in the, the, this kind of era. And they they still look fine because it's impressive. A lot of the stuff they did with physical effects, but a lot of times you'd be like, Oh yeah. Okay. I, I can see exactly how they did that because of this. Mm-hmm. And this film, like if I didn't know, I could guess how they did it, but it, it, it just like, I don't, I don't see, I don't see, like anything that is like nothing gives them away and nothing gives them away. And it's just blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think a good comparison is you look at the Tina scenes in this. So there, there's her going across the ceiling, but there's also her kind of like levitating and spinning yes. around and smacking him. Yes. And to me, that looks so much better and so much more effective than in the remake one where the mm-hmm. Tina stand in, I don't remember what her, what her name is, yeah. is, is, they're, they're spinning her around. It's just like, you just look like you're on wires kind of spun yeah, and yeah. not even, well, it just didn't really work. Whereas this just really worked for well. I think, I think Renee even mentioned when we were talking about the remake way back when, uh, like the scene where he comes out of the wall, it's so good oh. in this. It's so good in this. It's so good in this movie. Like I, you can kind of, you know, kind of tell how they did it, but it looks so good. And the shitty CGI, it, it, that, that looked bad the day that movie came out. That was my favorite part, though, because they did it, and then at the end they're like, like a magic trick, like, yes, look at yes, the wall. <laughs> exactly. It's like, yeah, it's so good. Oh, it was great. Oh, it was great. That and that was one of those scenes that like stayed with me again through my whole mm-hmm. youth. Was like, oh, oh and, like, and just be, yeah. oh, sorry, the, the the it's super simple, um, and it's and there's not right. there's any mystery to it, but the scene in the bathtub where she gets pulled down, and you mm-hmm. see the scenes of her like in this what looks like an endless murky depths. And it's just so effective. It's, it's right. so good. Yeah. It is. It is. You, you, and even the hand coming up. Yeah. 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 You, oh. look at, you look at these things and you think, why did they ever get away from practical effects? But what you don't see is the two weeks it took to clean up yeah. the, the stage after yeah. the Johnny Depp death scene. So yeah, but it, yeah, yeah, the effects are great. And sometimes yeah. and the, I, think, I think the limitations, you know, the fact that we're, this was a yeah. low budget movie and, they kind of, you know, it was there was a kind of a dicey production. Um, th- that limitations, just like with Jaws, sometimes forces you to be creative in a way that now you don't really need to be because it's like we will make it look good in post. And maybe you will, and maybe you won't. But back then, they didn't have that luxury. It was going to look as good as they could make it look right there on the set. So you tried to make it as good as you could. Yeah. Except for her mom getting pulled through the window at the end. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say. Like I said, I was gonna well, say it's, it's, that looked terrible. It's that that in the Freddie arms where he does like the. Oh. Uh, it, it <laughs> no, still, that scene still is looks so okay funny. though. He's like, let me it, love that part's, you. Yeah. <laughs> I caught a fish and, and it was this big. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, I, I. So here's a personal thing. Um, so I got to be Ronnie Blakely's handler at a um, convention. And she's a lovely woman and very talented and did a whole lot of, you know, this is about the, this is the thing everyone wants to talk to her about. Not the fact that she was like in Nashville and uh, toured around the country with Bob Dylan 
I mean, she was a legit oh, no kidding. performing oh, wow. artist. What? Now, now yeah. who is this? Who who is this? R- uh, the mom. The mom. Ronnie okay. Blakely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was. I fun. didn't realize that. Yeah, that, that was that was nice. So we just sat together and had a nice long conversation about stuff because I know who Bob Dylan is. So Aww, I'm nice. old enough that we were able to talk she... <laughs> about things other than the one project wish... people want to talk about. I wish she had talked Bob Dylan into doing the uh, the theme song for this movie. Can you imagine a Bob Dylan? Nightmare on Elm Street song. <laughs> Whoa! Look out! He's in your nightmares. It's out. He preys on your fears. He's coming for you. One, two. Oh, sorry. Anyways. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. But also, like, like Wes Craven. I mean, you know, he was he was a uh, serious horror director, and. Like he set out to like make a scary movie, a legitimately scary movie with this, because I think he uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Paul. Again, because you watched the, the the thing recently, but like, didn't he? Wasn't he inspired by like a story of a kid that died in his sleep or something like that? Yeah, there was there was something about that that it was it was a and but it was I can't remember where it was. I think it was like somewhere in Southeast Asia. Yeah, um, but but like that, it, so. yeah yeah. Like the fact that he was inspired by something that is terrifying, and he set out to make a scary movie, uh, and I'm not saying that like a lot of directors in this era weren't trying to make scary movies, but at the same time, like I think he he has an understanding that a lot of directors don't of like what actually like what makes things scary, and he knew what to show and what not to show because there are a lot of things where he shows you know he shows everything, but then there are also the scenes like her getting. Like it's the the scene with her in the body bag is very quick, and it's just you know it's there are two like two shots and they're only a couple seconds but they stick with you like forever, like so I don't know I mean it's just it's just a master of his craft yeah um I think that there are actually there's still some things about this film that I don't think are great I think some of the pacing's a little weird the structure's a little weird but like at the end of the day that doesn't really subtract a whole lot because when you're done watching the movie, you remember all of these just phenomenal timeless scenes. And there's a movie, or, or there's a reason that this movie was chased. You know, we, uh, on the, the episode where, uh, when, or on the, when we talked about the Halloween movies, um, like, uh, regardless of financial success, which is obviously why sequels get made. But like, I, I kind of asked the question there and like, of just like, why have people been chasing this movie for so long? And I think that the reason that people have been chasing this movie is it's a fundamental thing. We all, we, everyone has nightmares. Everyone dreams. Um, it's really weird that everyone has dreams and stuff, but it's very hard. Most filmmakers, most dream sequences are awful. I'm not saying that the dream sequences are like, feel like real dreams in this movie, but they do have a certain dream logic. In fact, I wanted right. to mention one thing that I had never noticed before. Um, I don't know. You, you guys probably, it's probably something that everyone talks about and I'm just an idiot, but like, there's one scene in this movie. I think it's the first time you see the dr- like girls jump roping. And it's like mm-hmm. a soft focus. The girls are jump roping on the lawn. The camera pans over to the kids in the car. And the soft focus goes away. And then they walk over and it's school. And the, when the girls are there, there's no one around. It's just them. Mm-hmm. And then when the camera follows them back over at school, they're kids. They're like school kids, like high schoolers doesn't really make any sense in the context of the film, but it's actually the most dreamlike sequence in the entire movie because it shifts, it shifts narrative and focus within one shot, just like dreams do. And when I, I I don't know why that never stood out to me before. 
and I do, it's actually not clear whether it's supposed to be a dream. It is supposed to be real, obviously, because it goes, it shifts to them in the car, and then there's a whole scene where they're going to the school. But at the same time, like, it actually is, it's like, other than like, I, this is going to sound like a funny comparison, but other than eight and a half, I don't think I've ever seen a mm. dreamlike sequence like that in a movie that actually feels like a dream before. I'm sorry, I've well, been yeah, talking no, for no, a very it's, long it's, time. It's fantastic, and it really does. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing transition. It's 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 an amazing transition when it does that, and you're like, and it kind of throws you off, but it's, it's yeah, it's, it's yeah, really you, you know, cool. you're right though. It's it's very hard to film dreams, and part of the problem is that we, dreams have become such a trope, and they and mm-hmm. and the things that they use to symbolize the fact that you're watching a dream have become so ingrained into us that um, you almost expect to hear every time there is they do a dream, there's a harp music playing, and there's you know this kind of weird focus and 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 everything none of which ever happens in any of my dreams just want yeah. to say oh you don't, no, you don't have the harp no harps or soft oh. focus in my dreams <laughs> more's the pity but um yeah and and, and dreams are difficult because here's something i think we all are old enough to recognize this but maybe some of the younger people out in the audience need to hear this advice nobody gives a rat's ass about your dreams do not ever walk up to someone <laughs> say i had the most amazing dream last night and then tell them about it just stop with it was amazing and i'll just nod and say well that's great you know good for you <laughs> mine wasn't so great but i'm not going to talk about it either because it is so uninteresting to hear someone's dreams they yeah. really are it, they they and and even they're not even interesting to you as you're saying them you're like uh, you know not this sounds way more stupid than i remembered it <laughs> yeah i mean i think honestly like some of the best dream I, I think there's actually like some of the best dreamlike sequences and i'm sorry about by the way i'm i'm way off topic here but this is one of the most interesting things in the world to me is just like dreams and cinema yeah. but like some of the best dreamlike sequences they're not even trying to be dreamlike i think david lynch does an oh, yeah. incredible job um th- like literally mm-hmm. one of the scariest scenes of all time what is it mulholland drive where he's like talking about a dream that he had and then he goes back and there's the guy behind the restaurant or whatever and he just like he has this intense expression of horror or reaction of horror and that's actually really interesting to me because a lot of like what's the most interesting thing about dreams is sometimes like what you carry over into the waking world which hey is a theme of this because you know obviously it's the idea of you know carrying your nightmares into the waking world with you but also facing them so um so yeah i don't know i think it's Or, or turning your back on them or turning your back on them and like all of your problems will disappear if you just ignore them that's what i learned from this movie um so yeah i don't i don't really like it's it's just yeah rewatching this it's like i don't really have anything bad to say about this movie like i actually the the only thing i had to like compare because obviously last year we were talking about halloween movies i still don't know if this is as good a i don't think i love this film as much as halloween but i still think that there's a reason that this film that we're still talking about this film almost uh almost 40 years since it yeah. came out and um yeah i think i think a lot of that is due to west craven uh just understanding horror like un- fundamentally understanding like the universal experience of what terrifies us yeah well said it's it's you know <laughs> and, is, and we, we that is of course to talk about the, to me. yeah sorry it's easier to talk about the bad ones than the good one you yeah know, it is ones. well it's, it's yeah. funny to talk a little bit about Wes Craven. I mean, so this was Last House on the Left was his first one, and boy, that I'll tell you, that's a tough one, tough one to watch. Yeah. Um, 
it's and a, speaking it's a of 1970 Bergman. yeah 1972 remake of enigmar bergman movie although you you have a hard time believing that it's definitely there yeah. was a war going on in southeast asia and it shows in every frame of that film he actually did some x-rated films um, I'm not I was going to say, wasn't at one point wasn't part of the original plan for for Last House on the Left that it was originally going to be oh, an X-rated film? Really? Yeah, no, was I it, thought was I, it not? My understanding it was. I mean, a lot of the people who were in it were people that were in his X-rated. Yeah, film, so. yeah, okay, that yeah, but boy, that would be a hard sell even to the raincoat crowd. Uh, yeah, then he did true. Hills Have Eyes, that's... Deadly Blessing. Yeah. Oh, okay, oh! So here's a... go, go ahead. Wait, wait, wait! That ever reminded me. One of the original ideas for a new nightmare. Did you guys know about this? It was no. originally it was supposed to be Wes was driving around in a van with driven by Michael Barrymore from from Hills Have Eyes, and Wes Craven would have had his eyelids cut. He had cut his eyelids off so he couldn't fall to sleep, and that they were driving around, and Michael Berryman was driving him around originally. That was like one one of the original scripts, which I would have loved to have seen. That I think it works better the way they did it. Because you want to keep it more grounded, but still, just the idea of yeah. you know, because Michael Barry, I've never actually met him, but he's oh, he's, he's, he's incredibly he's, nice, right? He's, yeah, he's one of the sweetest guys so you'll ever meet. I would love to see him playing himself, but driving yeah. around like a crazed West driving Craven. around with one hand while he's putting eye drops into Wes Craven with the other. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I'm sorry, I, I just I just I kind of sad that that one didn't get to happen. Yeah, I just looked it up. Wes Craven had one of the best porn director names of all time. Apparently, in his uh, 1975 film *The Fireworks Woman*. Yeah, uh, he he is he is credited as Abe Snake. Abe Snake. Abe Snake. <laughs> Abe, Snake. Abe Snake. Yep. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't have anything else to say about this movie because it's uh it's a classic and yeah. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. How about like how you about said, you, Renee? You haven't really said a yeah. lot about this one. Putting no, on the spot. I, I mean, it is it is a classic. Um, you know, it's it's Nightmare on Elm Street. It's it's uh, you know, it's it, it was it's scary. But then it, you know, he was all. I think even then he was always a kind of a little bit cheeky. You know, with his like tongue in the phone and stuff like that. Um, oh yeah, oh, true, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just it was just good. It's one of those movies that just you know. I think it probably had more of a lasting impact on me than say the Halloween mm. original. Um not for you know not that it was better or worse but just right. just that it stuck, you know, the mm. things and the scenes and the the visuals were things that you know the face and the latex and everything that that kind of stuff sticks with you when you're like 9 or 8 or however <laughs> the hell old I was when that was on USA up all night. Yeah. Oh god. This is this is one of those movies it would be kind of interesting to show it to someone who's like, you know, 15 or 16 now and had never seen it. I think everyone's aware of this, but it's always interesting to me, like how these things age. I mean, I watched this when I was probably 15 or 16, which would have been the late nineties. And I don't remember feeling at all that it had aged. I mean, this movie came out the year I was born. And so when I watched it, it should have felt like an old movie, but I remember it didn't, it felt like, you know, a, even when you're, you know, when you're that age and something that came out when you're born, feels like it came out a hundred years ago. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm wondering, it's kind of, I'm kind of curious now if like what the reaction to people like watching this today is. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think they're going to like it as much as they should because they probably, it's hard for them to not go in with preconceived notions of what Freddie is. And they're thinking yeah, yeah, latter, latter day Freddie as opposed so, to, so we one, need, just we wanted need, to get back to uh, one thing about Wes Craven. Um, 
I love yeah. the guy. Abe, as you mean director. Abe Snakeman? Uh, Abe, Snake. Abe Snake. Yeah, Abe Snake. Um, Snakeman. The thing about him, though, is was really kind of schizophrenic in a way with his with his filmography. The only one I could think of worse than that would be Bob Clark, who could do absolutely amazing stuff and then do something like Baby Geniuses, and then do mm. something good again, and then do Baby Geniuses too. Um, so yeah, Wes Craven, he does Last House on the Left, uh, Hills Have Eyes, Deadly Blessing. All right, so he's doing some cool stuff. Swamp Thing. Mm, yeah. Swamp Thing, uh, um, ambitious, too low a budget, bad costume. Um, Hills Have Eyes Part 2. Horrible. Absolutely terrible. One of those movies that's so bad that and, and has so many flashbacks. To the point where there's flashbacks in the flashbacks, the dog. Does it? I was going to say, does the dog have a flashback? The dog yeah, has yeah. a flashback. <laughs> that to me, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm on solid ground here. I feel like this is one of those movies that either ran out of money, or he was fired, or he quit, and it kind of got cobbled together at the end. So we can take that one maybe off the list. Then coming back from that disaster, Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, then Deadly Friend. But then Serpent and the Rainbow, which is really an interesting film. Um, and then Shocker, which is just so generic and seems like a, an attempt to try to make a new Freddy and it obviously didn't go anywhere. Then The People Under the Stairs, which is, again, interesting. It's not oh. top-notch, but, but it's an interesting thing. Then New Nightmare, for better or worse, mm -hmm. New Nightmare. Then Vampire, Vampire in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm then scream and then yeah. scream two and then yeah. scream three and okay at this point well actually i believe uh was it before scream two hold on or or before scream oh, three before there was music of the heart uh no, no but well here's the thing though music of the heart literally an academy award-winning film yeah so because meryl streep won i believe best oh, actress for that movie right. So yeah. he's literally like this is probably one of the few like big horror directors who ever can say that you know they ever directed a film an Academy Award winning film. So it is. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't think which, Music of the Heart made a dime though. Oh, I'm sure it didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is this is one of those movies that I actually remember it when it came out, and just because the only reason I knew I knew it exists obviously because he directed it. Uh, for those of you who uh, don't know what Music of the Heart is, let me read you the description oh, uh, oh, from imdb.com. Story of a school teacher's struggle to teach violin to inner city Harlem kids. So, sorry, that's, oh, yeah, sorry. not at all definitely... there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's based on Excuse a true me. story and it's heartwarming and something you could... Oh, but yeah, it is It is interesting Halloween. though, Bill. Like, like his, the the, not just the fact that he... Uh, he directed, he, he definitely had his ups and downs, but I think this was actually, if I remember correctly though, this was a movie that he kind of talked about, like he wanted to make this movie. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so it's kind of interesting that, you know, he went from, you know, being a horror icon to wanting to direct something that was a kind of feel good drama. So, right. I mean, to me, the idea of being a typecast as a horror director is like, we're going to make you make horror movies for the rest of your life. It'd be like, <laughs> well, that's what, yeah, but, yeah, but but everyone, but a lot of people like didn't George Romero kind of hate the fact that he got yeah. he wasn't he was never able to really get funding, um, for yeah, now, I will yeah. say Music of the Heart, the the one there is a kind of a connection here that people people forget about, but so Meryl Streep is teaching the kids 
uh, violin. <laughs> and then yeah. people forget about the end, the end scene where uh, they go on to put up the recital and the TV cameras come out and the kids are like, wait, we're going to be on TV? And Real Streep is like, welcome to primetime, bitch. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm getting great. loopy. We're That's at the end funny. of the episode here. Uh, no, nah, you're right. I am losing no, it. Right. I, I understand. Oh. West, West Wait, was that real? Did that really happen? Yeah, Zach? that happened. Is that true? Yeah, that happened. Go watch the movie. I feel like I, watch... I read some interviews with Wes Craven where he's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's been great, but I'm done with horror." And it's like, narrator, all of a sudden, Morgan Freeman steps out. In fact, he was not done with horror. Yeah, and yeah, you know, but that, it's not. It is not fair. Hollywood is such a stupid place. Sometimes, if if George Romero had somehow gotten the rights to Schindler's List and 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 tried to raise money for it. They'd be like, hmm, interesting, great script, but I don't know if people want to see all these, you know, poor dead Jewish people come back as zombies. Like, there are no zombies in this film. It's like, yeah, but, uh, right. you're George Romero, and you know, yeah. yeah. So, but you, I, you I do would... get some people like like Spielberg, who's able to, you know, he was he was, yeah, you know, right, kind of oh. sci-fi fantasy. People thought of things like that, or well, I guess you got Jaws, you know. You have genre films, and then the year the year of Schindler's List and uh, Jurassic and Park Two came Jurassic out Park. the same year, and I'm saying the uh, the well, range. Well, no, I think there. it was it was ninety uh, four was Schindler's List and Jurassic Park, and ninety seven was uh, The oh. Lost World and Amistad. So yeah. Oh okay okay. Yeah, so he just he yeah. always he always had to like make that one movie in the nineties. Was like I got to make sure that people still take me seriously at the academy. Yeah. So right. yeah. And because the one movie makes a trillion dollars, that gives him the clout to make the one that doesn't sound like it'll do that well, although it does yeah. better than anyone thinks because yeah. it's a great movie. He's the exception to the rule, but Craven Craven yeah. left us with a with a lot of good stuff. And and yeah. the Scream franchise is another one that surprisingly lasted longer than it had any reason to. And each one of those films, some are better than others, but they each one of them has something to offer. I don't think there's a real stinker in the bunch. Well, okay, <laughs> all right, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe went to the well one time too many. Yeah, I think I think the thing about, uh, and I'm just going to keep talking here until Renee cuts this off. But I think that the one thing that people don't respect about some of these like horror directors is like a lot of them were like very cerebral guys. Like I think that Wes Craven, like, and you uh, listen to him or like George Romero, like interviews with some of these guys, like they were making, like you said, like they were making horror films arguably because they were successful at it. Uh, That doesn't mean that they were necessarily like, that's all they cared about. Um, And they were like some of the best horror directors are genuinely insightful, thoughtful people. And I think that that uh, to a certain extent, that's understandable when you think about the fact that like to make films that genuinely scare people, you have to actually, I would argue, uh, really think about what scares people, which sounds easy. It sounds simple, but like Mm -hmm. there's so much to that, like understanding, you know, why fear exists and the psyche of, you know, uh, humanity and just like what you can do that will make people want to see these movies, which are, I think ultimately an outlet for people's fears because it's a safe way to, you know, be scared for an hour and a half without ever actually being in danger. So I think that, yeah, I think Craven is up there with some of these other directors that like he was, um, you know, some of the stuff that he made was definitely arguably B movies. I mean, I think that a lot of these films aren't respected by, you know, even now 
uh, and definitely back when he was making them, they weren't necessarily respected by the critics and you know the the, the institutions. But um, I think there's a lot more to some of these movies, and and I think that this is one of them. That, that there's there's more than meets the eye, and that's why it's uh, it's endured for so long. Well, he had he he had an additional like in addition to writing degrees, he had degrees in both psychology and philosophy. So I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So. Just like Alex Trebek, Alex Trebek was a, had a was a philosophy major as well. Yeah, that's why he and went he into also game shows. One of the greatest horror writers yeah. of all time. Very <laughs> underrated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, I've been. I, I'm just talking to hear myself talk at this point. I think uh, I've I said just... all I per, I personally. Well, wait. Say. Was there not a song with this one, or what was a? What was oh, do you want to? Well, that's true. Are this we, was you a. Wanna uh, wrap it up? Let's bring this back. This was. That's true. Yeah. Where were you at Please. with this one, Renee? Well, this one was a little bit odd. See now, because this was, I have to, so I have to tell you, when I did my my initial rankings, it was just sort of how how everything flowed, mm-hmm. um, and of course, then I kind of gave things a new, a, a little bit of a review after you know learning that songs were like original or mm-hmm. you know all that stuff. Um, so I had actually bumped that. This was the one I actually had tied at uh, number three for. Um, So by Dawkin, which is actually going to end up getting moved to number one, actually, but it works out because I don't have actually zero is available. So I <laughs> there you go. Just zero. bump it ahead yeah. of the, bump it at the front of yeah. the queue. There, it's like a, a fast pass at Disneyland. Okay, you don't need to yeah. stand in line. Um, for those of you yeah. who don't remember, somehow, if you don't recall, the Immortal Nightmare by Two One Three, which is a uh, I looked this band up. I actually couldn't find. I don't know if this was a band. Uh, I I kind of did a little bit of research by that. I mean, I looked them up and they didn't have a Wikipedia entry. So um, I don't I don't know if they were like if this was actually a band or what. But um, it's one of those songs. I don't remember it. I couldn't sing it. But like every time I watch the movie, it's it's a solid. Again, it's a it's a solid rock song. I think it fits the aesthetics of the film. And every time I watch it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is a pretty good song. So yeah, I had it at number two. I had it right behind Dawkin. Uh, with with nice. Dream Warriors because hmm. I I, th- I felt like it it fit the it fit the movie um so well mm-hmm. I actually don't know if it was an original song or not um but yeah number two respectable I think it was and I know this doesn't really this is not a this is one of my trademark not good stories uh, <laughs> but one of these movies um XL Junkies did a song yeah for yeah uh, it was actually I, I was it this one well I believe it was uh oh, wait uh are you talking about Junkie sorry, XL right. One. Junkie XL. Yeah, so uh, he did. Junkies, he did a you know? song that appears in Freddy vs. Jason at the rave. Ah, at the okay. Rave, I, I knew it was one of those, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, it's the Although, guy from." Do you want to? Do you want to know another little uh, one of these uh, movies? And I don't I do. remember which. I think it's maybe Dream Master or Dream Child. The music is composed by Brian May. Really? So yeah. So so two 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 out of three Mad Max composers uh, were involved in various ways with the. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street series. So there, there you go. I'm surprised they missed a sure bet by never using Alice Cooper's Welcome to My Nightmare in any of these films. I know he oh. was in one of the films as an actor, but... Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I was going to say, now no, I have I, to like, too much for it. I played that. I played... My sister had an Alice Cooper. She had Welcome to My Nightmare, and I played that over and over again. I mean, to the point where I'm sure my parents were ready to just kick us out of the house. Hard to believe. <laughs> Hard to believe there was a time when Alice Cooper and Kiss were considered really cutting edge, uh, youthful rebellion stuff. Right. Yeah. 
uh, Welcome to My Nightmare and Kiss Destroyer were on permanent repeat play in my house. My poor, mm. poor parents. Yeah, now I'm looking it up. I actually, uh, I'm wondering if, like, maybe even by the time the movies came out, like, Alice Cooper was considered, like, your dad's rock music. I don't know. I mean, no, just, no, just oh, like, I'm even sure. though... The, the, the album came out in 75, but, like, the way that that works is, you know, for kids, like, anything that's older than five or six years is old person's music, so. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out, Taylor Swift. So. <laughs> ah! So I guess we can, uh, does anybody have anything else they want to say? Uh, I want to say uh, the, the, uh, the cover artwork for Alice Cooper's Welcome to My Nightmare was apparently... Done by uh, uh, Drew Struzan, who's a uh, you know great artist. Anyways, he's a, a famous he poster artist. I thought you were yeah. gonna tie it to Nightmare on Elm Street. I thought you were gonna talk I about the posters was... of the the the. I, I say the Nightmare on Elm Street one, two, and three. Those are the only ones I can remember off the top of my head had great posters by by a guy yeah. who did a lot of posters in that time. They were artwork. They weren't Photoshop. Or they weren't in. Yeah. They weren't in blue and you know amber and used teal, the horrible sameness that we have now for posters. They were actual works of art, mm. and they they put asses in seats. But now I, I mean, nobody wants. I remember to Remember the first anymore. one? I have to look up the other ones. The first one's the one yeah. I can really remember. I'm sure the other ones. I think they they kind of they kind of went with that. The, I know the again the first three stick in my head, and they they kind of use that the imagery from the first one. The second one, I think, had like Freddy, where half his face was a skull, and then the yes. third. Yeah, well, one... I think it was it was it was Mark Patton embracing his girlfriend and looking in the mirror, and there was Freddy. Yes, yes, there that was, was it. That what it was. Oh, those are, those are yeah. all okay. Great I can I can I can do it. I can do it. Uh, so so Juice Suzanne uh, also did the poster for a little movie called Dreamscape, which was uh, co-written by Chuck Russell. So now, did he also do the poster for? <laughs> Did he also do the poster for Indiana Jones? Because I remember thinking Dreamscape yeah, yeah. looks like the Indiana Jones movie. Yep, all the Indiana Jones. In fact, wait, we've we've talked about Drew Suzanne before as well, right? Because he was also the artist that uh, uh, Thomas Jane was doing was doing his art in The Mist. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So, oh, yeah. Um, I missed that. Yeah, uh, The Mist was, was directed by Nightmare <laughs> on Elm Street 3 writer... Uh, yeah, Chuck ah! Russell. <laughs> Chuck Russell, director of the Shawshank Redemption. Um, man, we are. We uh, have. Paul we feels have, like he's in a nightmare now, where all the roads wheels? lead back to truck. Chuck yeah. Russell. Chuck Russell. The, the, <laughs> the isn't, that, wheels, in, that, isn't that a kind of dog, a Chuck Russell Terrier? Isn't that what, that, yeah. Is that what we're yeah. talking about? Yeah. Chuck yeah. Russell Terrier. You know, you know how I used to talk. You know how I used to mention Waterworld every episode. I'm gonna just start yeah. mentioning <laughs> Chuck Russell every episode. Just, well, you know who directed just, Waterworld? Uh, was it Chuck, Chuck Russell? Russell? Yeah, Chuck Russell. I knew it. <laughs> little, Although, little known fact there. Waterworld has that scene where the uh, Dennis Hopper they're they're pulling the thing and it's like shooting and and they says what's his name? What's that cousin's name? And they say Charles. Charles. And he says maybe he doesn't answer to Charles. Hey, maybe he answers to Chuck. Hey Chuck. That's an actual scene I memorized the entire film. So wow, maybe he was that maybe that's so a re sad. reference to Chuck. So Head Ken is that his, his name is actually his, his last name it's is Russell. Chuck Russell. Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. headcanon. Yeah. Uh -huh. Chuck Russell is a character in Waterworld. I'm sorry. I've gone. Hey, do you guys see? They are, they're rebooting Eraser. Why? They are? For real? 
There's a there's a there's a new movie. I think it just came out. I think okay. it's on like streaming. It's like Eraser Reborn or something. Who fucking remembers that movie? Who, nobody remembers it. It was the it was only just thing I remember those... that. The had... only thing memorable about that movie is the the rail guns that they yeah. have that like yeah, the blast you cool. and you like fly across the. That's sure. literally the only thing anyone remembers That's... about that movie. It was just one of those. Anyways. We need to, we need an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie this summer. Um, yeah, here you go. Yeah. Yeah. Renee, Renee, just shut this down, please. Yeah, we, we need to let's wrap this up. Shut it down. Let me know. No. Let's put this one oh. to bed. Oh. Oh. Yes. Yes. It's time to time to See, put this episode to bed. I'm having a, I'm having a lot of fun, by the way, because normally I host. Obviously, Renee's hosting yeah. this time, and I'm the one trying to like rein people in and get him to shut the fuck up and get on this topic. Is why you don't put me in charge. And now, I'm and now just I'm just like, like no, I can do anything I want. Yeah, I don't. I don't have. I don't have to be the adult. I can be in the yeah. playground oh. with Bill. All right, well, I know you're just like, look at me. I'm Bill. Derp, derp, derp. Things nobody understands. <laughs> References from the 1820s. Derp, derp, derp. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, Save us yeah, for a day. So yeah. Well, Your this was our hope. rankings of the Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street series. Bam. And yeah, mm. we hope you like it. Join us. Join us next year when uh, we will be reviewing the ne- the new Nightmare on Elm Street film and putting it in the context of these rankings. I'm just kidding. There's a new one. Just, yeah. Is oh, it, are they, they remaking about, Freddy's Dead? They keep talking about it, man. Oh, not they don't keep talking about that, but they keep no, talking about doing one about with uh, Robert Englund again. Yeah, nobody talks about that. If they better hurry, they or he's real. All right, Robert hey, this is where you ask us all where other where people can find us. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh shit, that's right. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, um, um, uh, I'm like, how do I start with most to least to most? Let's yeah, least would be me. First. Yeah, yeah, least. Oh, most, most. God, he's everywhere. Least to Let's most. The most stuff going on. I don't. Not real. Yeah. I mean, this this week has been crazy for podcasts and stuff because October is the one month out of the year where a bunch of people suddenly care about what I have to say about stuff. <laughs> but it's been it's been fun. Gizzy's loved it. I can't walk by the room now without yeah. Gizzy following me. Like another podcast. Um, I will be. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna be doing Sleepaway Camp soon on decades of horror and a 1970s film that I've already forgotten what the title is. So I need to look that up. And uh, decades of horror is on GruesomeMagazine.com, and it's got a lot of fun people doing uh, more than just my two podcasts. So there's some good stuff there. And I will throw it to... Oh, I'll throw it right back to you. Hey, all right. Uh, Paul, what have you been what have, what have you been doing? Where can people find you? Absolutely nowhere. Here or with my butt in the seat at the Alamo Draft House in Raleigh. Usually That's Thursday nights you'll find me at usually what's come out that week, or unless I'm like, I really don't want to watch it, and then I won't go. But generally that's where you're going to find me on Thursday nights is with my butt in the seat at the Alamo Draft House. And you might find me like, perusing the dvds there um other than that i'm you know or or catch me at wegman's on thursday mornings so there thursday's a big day for me it's exciting this is a big day uh zachary edgerton where can people find you uh well they can find me like i said in yeastville georgia uh coming soon uh we got uh i'm i'm front and center for the ecosystem um no uh i'm on this podcast and that's pretty much the only place you can find me (laughs) and it's a great podcast and We'll probably be doing. We've we've had uh you know we've slowed down a little bit because of scheduling, but join us in a month or two, and I guarantee you we will have another episode about something. Yeah. Can't tell you what something. it's about. Um, Secret. We don't even know it. 
Might be about Street Fighter. We tried to do Street Fighter, and I'm still determined that we do Street Fighter. So. Oh God, we haven't. Yeah, I have, a, I have a box of cereal just waiting for me because I had to buy a new box of cereal. <laughs> yeah. Because the one I had was Street so Fighter small, or? I went through the whole thing and, and uh, got diabetes for a while. No, so. not to call not to call anyone out, so I'm not going to say their name, but uh, someone forgot about it when we went to record, so we didn't record it. Who's the forgetful uh, let's just call him here. let's just call him Bill M. Uh, no, no, sorry, Bill that's M. obvious. Let's call him yeah, B yeah. Mulligan. Be um and <laughs> not pointing at anybody. Bill no it's fine uh ah. bill the busiest man the busiest man on earth uh but uh yeah well like i said uh like smash that like and subscribe button whether you're watching this on video on youtube or listening it uh listening to it as an audio podcast wherever you get your podcast and uh you can you can find our next episode whenever it drops and yes. if you like this format by the way i think we're doing i think we're not going to wait another year uh if i remember correctly <laughs> early next year uh there's going to be a friday the 13th which i think we're going to try to do a ranking episode that drops that day we'll see if it works but no guarantees subscribe oh anyways though oh <laughs> yeah, yeah that means by the way actually i'll enjoy watching those more than the halloween franchise well you're all contractually obligated by the way to watch freddy versus jason for a second time just for that I'm good episode. with that. I'm good with so, that. All right, I'm okay. You are. All right. Yeah. I will yeah. watch it again. Okay. Yeah. I had that so that's all I got. right in the middle. All right. Uh, Renee, well, where nice else everybody. can people find you? Oh, oh, nowhere. Okay, good. <laughs> Absolutely nowhere. <laughs> this is it. This is all I do. In a, in a dark room with uh, Tim Capello behind you. If they do find Renee, yes. they, she gets a restraining order. So they and just Emil need to it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. Oh, I got a taser. <laughs> Okay. A propos is nothing. Like, wow. <laughs> Good to know. All right. Yeah. So that's it. Say goodnight, right. everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye.